Welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Guy. Good day, Kingdom Corner Podcast devotees. The great Matt Geib here with you on a cool, crisp autumn day in the Pacific Northwest, coming to you with another episode of The Kingdom Corner regarding Ephesians chapter 4. And we are in the last portion of the passage of Scripture there, the chapter, verses 25 to 32. And we're just continuing right along with where we left off the last time we were together. And it's a very interesting portion of Scripture. And let's just segue into that from what we talked about last time. We'll just read the passage. I want to read the passage. And I think the way I read this today, as I read it in uh, different Bibles today, different translations, I thought, even though I'm not generally a paraphrase man, that the Living Bible really uh, kind of explained it well, what we'll be talking about. I'm going to start at verse 23. And we're going to read through 32. Now your attitudes and thoughts must all be constantly changing for the better. You must be a new and different person, holy and good. Clothe yourself with this new nature. Stop lying to each other. Tell the truth. For we are parts of each other, and when we lie to each other, we are hurting ourselves. If you are angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. Don't let the sun go down with you still angry. Get over it quickly, for when you are angry, you then give a mighty foothold to the devil. If anyone of you is stealing, he must stop it and begin using those hands of his for honest work, so he can give to others in need. Don't use bad language. Say only what is good and helpful to those you are talking to, and what will give them a blessing. Don't cause the Holy Spirit sorrow by the way you live. Remember, he is the one who marks you to be present in that day when salvation from sin will be complete. Stop being mean, bad-tempered, and angry. Quarreling, harsh words, and dislike of others should have no place in your lives. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. Ephesians 4 23 through 32, the Living Bible paraphrase of those scriptures. So when I first looked into this scriptures here and began to study it, I wasn't even sure we would go into this. I just thought, do we want to talk about this? It just, it seemed so negative, and we've already been down the negative path. And I felt like, you know, why is he bringing up negative things again? Don't be angry, don't lie, don't steal, don't quarrel. And it just came to me uh, as I was out walking my dog, God gave me a couple word pictures to share with you today, and we're going to go into that. And these principles we're going to talk about, really, it's rubber meet the road principles, how to walk with God in everyday life as his son and daughter. And at first, like I said, it didn't seem too exciting to me. And yet these are practical things. I mean, we're not always caught away in our to the heavenlies in our prayer closet or We're not always walking in the clouds spiritually, and we do live day-to-day and rubber-meet-the-road type situations with the neighbors, with the grocer, with the mailman, and with people in our church. And these are things that we all sometimes experience, and I'll be going into that. But let's segue in here and pick up where we left off last time, 
and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Remember how we talked about that the last time, that it meant to be continually young again in the spirit of your mind or in the youth of the new man? That's what it literally means in Greek, because you are a new man, and you're continually getting younger. As one translation said, be getting younger again in the spirit of your mind. And it reminded me of a childlike faith, a childlike trust in the Lord and simplicity of your faith. And that's what we have when we put on the new man. And then one translation says, the way I read it here in the New King James, it says, be putting all that on, the new man created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, because that's who you really are. And then he goes into the next part, therefore, because you put on the new man, therefore, then he addresses about seven or eight different issues that we want to go into and talk about today, even though they are a bit negative. But the first thing I want to just emphasize with you right away, off the get-go, is that you are new men and women of God. You are new creatures, as uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, you are a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. You are an overcoming son and daughter of God. You are a highly favored son and daughter of God. That's what we want to view, or that's what we want to see as we go into this. You're no longer the old man or of the old nature. So why is he talking about these things? Well, we're going to get into that. You're no longer that way. And here's what, you know, when I'm thinking about, as I was on my walk with my dog, and that's when I sometimes, a lot of times, get inspiration from the Lord and talk to him. This word picture came to my mind. And it's uh, just a story that I'm going to tell on myself about my life. And first thing I do when I get up in the morning, of course, is before my devotions, is I go into the shower, I turn on the hot water, let it get warm, and I take off all my clothes, of course, like you do when you get into the shower, and I clean myself up. Now, you get the, get the uh, metaphors from this. I clean myself up, and then I put on my clothes, which I'm, I'm the type of guy that I lay out all my clothes the night before to put on. That's, that's just the way I've always done it. So I'm prepared for the day. I clean myself up, dry myself off, put lotion, you know, this body lotion on my body and all those things, and then I put these clothes on. And, you know, there was a time, because I worked part-time out of the house, and I worked for this company that, you know, do data entry out of the home 80% of the time, and the other 20%, one or two days a week, we were required to go into the office for two to four hours each time. And so I bought, or my wife helped me buy some business casual clothes to go into the office. Not that we needed to. People would wear most anything in there, but I like to dress business casual even around the house sometimes. So I bought those new outfits, and uh, I was happy to wear them. So that was what I was putting on when I'd go into the office. And then lo and behold, COVID-19 came, and they closed our offices. So it didn't really matter what kind of clothing I wore because nobody saw me. So I'd just fall back on my old reliable, which were my ratty jeans my old sweatpants, my old, even though they're clean, but they got grease spots on them and stains, my old t-shirts, and I'd wear those around the house. And of course, one day my wife came upon me and she said, you've been wearing those all day? I said, well, I don't go, I have to go to the office anymore. I'm just around the house. She said, that's not good. You've had those for years. 
you know, get we need to get rid of those. And, you know, I didn't think much about it, but pretty soon another day or two came by during the week, and there on my bed one evening were all these nice new sweatpants, lightweight sweatpants, nice new T-shirts, a couple new sweatshirts that my wife had gone out with her kind, thoughtful heart and bought for me and said, now those are what you need to wear. And so I began to wear them, and I was, you know, okay with that. But every once in a while, I'd go put my old ratty jeans on or my old sweats, my old greasy T-shirt, even though it was cleaned up. And lo and behold, she caught me dressed that way one day. And she says, what are you doing? I bought you new new, new sweatpants, new, new shirts, new sweatshirt. Why do you still have those old ratty clothes? And I saw, oh, she said, you need to get rid of them. So lo and behold, a few days later, you know, after wearing the new ones again, I looked around for those old things to put on, you know, the night before, because I always put things there the night before, and they were gone. I couldn't find them anywhere. I asked her about them, and she'd gotten rid of them all. She threw them out. And this is my story, and what point am I making with this is just this. We need to put on the new man each day, just like my wife got me new clothes. We need to put those on every day and get rid of the old ones. She threw the old ones out. We need to bury our old man, like it says in baptism, and never have anything to do with the old clothes anymore. That's what I'm talking about. But the other part of this is, just based on the story I told you, you know, even though I had the new clothes and knew I could wear them and they were really nice and I even liked them, the new sweatpants and those kind of things, I was still comfortable putting on the old. And I think that's the way we are sometimes. We are a new creation in Christ, and yet it's so easy some mornings, depending on our frame of mind, to get up and put on those old clothes because they are comfortable. Well. I hope they're not comfortable, but sometimes in the past they have been comfortable to put on those old things because that's what we've always known. But Jesus is asking us to put on his nature. God is asking us to put on the God nature created after Christ Jesus each and every day. And at first, maybe for some newer Christians, it takes a little bit of thinking and effort, but you need to put that on and completely get rid of the old nature. And so that's why I think he's bringing these things up And he's mentioning them again, these old nature ways, so that we'll just completely be done with them. And we'll see just how, you know, destructive they can be. So, here he says, to put on the new man, created after Christ Jesus, he said, therefore, reading the New King James Version now, put away or putting away lying. So he's going to say, therefore, and he's going to mention seven or eight things that we need to make sure we're dealing with in our lives. And as I found and thought about these things, and I'm going to share with you, they are things that they come across our path every day as we're living in life, as we're going to the store, as going to the doctor's office, as we're going into work. These are things that we, you know, that we are tested in or that come by our, you know, our Metron every single day. So put away in verse 25. It's an emphatic command. That is put off once and for all. In other words, take those old clothes and throw them out. Don't even give them to the goodwill. Burn them up. Throw them out. Paul notes particular things to put away. The first verse says lying. That is, be honest with each other. Put away lying. Be so free with each other. And I'm talking about saints here. I'm talking about the living, breathing temple of God. You should be so free with each other 
that you can communicate honestly and authentically from your heart. And this alludes back to the unity that we talked about in the beginning of the chapter. There's so much about unity in the first portion of the chapter, and yet lying is not a characteristic of the new man, or it's not a character trait of the new man, and it will destroy unity. But you would ask, do Christians lie? And I had to ask, do Christians lie? Have you ever lied? Well, you know, in times past we have, you know, I'm sure. You know, there's not a man or woman created that hasn't probably told a lie. And yet, let's really get close to home here and talk about this. Okay, when you go to church, you know, say they come up to you and they say, and I know this has happened to me, well, I'll just use myself. Matt, how are you today? And I say, I'm great, I'm wonderful. Pat you on the back and they go on. Another brother or maybe the preacher or the elder. And yet inside you're hurting. You have needs. Something's happened where you could use somebody to pray for you or talk to you about a certain situation, and yet you smile, and it's a false smile, and you've lied. I think we have all done that, because we don't want to come across like we're weak, you know, or we're needy, and yet this is what the church should be all about. This is what actually brings about more unity than if you try to be tough, like the world would say, ah, there's nothing wrong with me. That's what really brings about unity. We need to be honest with the brethren, with our sisters and brothers about how we're doing. How about the neighbor across the street? Or in my case, I'm going to use the example of the cleaning lady that comes by every other week that cleans my mom's apartment and some of our house. Her name is Estelle. And my, oh my, dear lady, dear older lady, who just loves to talk and talk and talk. And if you're not careful, you know, you can find yourself talking with her for 20 minutes. I mean, she when she comes to clean our house, she knows it's like two hours, but she'll spend three or four because she loves to talk to my mom, and my mom loves to talk with her, and she's not in a hurry because that this is the house she's cleaning today, you know. But, you know, if I run across her path, then she'll want to talk to me. And how many times have I that total white lie and say, well, I've got to go do this now. When that may have not been the case, but I didn't, you know, I did have things to do, but I wasn't completely honest with her. And I think when we're really living the way we should, we should be able to even be honest with everybody. That doesn't mean we're without courteous thoughts and courteous sayings to the estolies in our lives, but we gracefully know how to set a boundary and tell them, hey, I need to go do this or that now, and I'll talk to you later. And this passage says we are members of one another, and this is specifically talking to the church. As the church, we are an interconnected in relationship with one another in the body of Christ. We have mutual interests. So if one has a need, we should want to hear about that need. And if we have a need, we should want to share that. We should have open connection and communication together because we can't stand alone. We need to be together. If ourselves are hurt, others are hurting if that hurt isn't taken care of. We hurt the body of Christ. So we need to just be open and honest, and that will take away from unity if we can't do that. So that's how I looked at lying. Put away lying. Let's be honest with each other, especially for the church, even to people in the world, you know. We need to find a way to be gracefully honest with them and to set boundaries. And then it talks about the next verse, it brings up the next topic. 
Let's read that, and then we'll go into it. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Let's read verse 27. Nor give place to the devil. Because I would say there's like anger, and then there's what anger leads to if it's not dealt with. So there's those two issues that are connected, and we're going to get into that now. Anger in and of itself is not completely wrong. We can be angry when we see injustice. We can be angry with sin, but we should never be angered at the sinner. And I'll give you an example. Earlier this summer, you know, I'm trying to clean out my garage and get rid of things I no longer need or we no longer need. And there's a beautiful toy in there, Easy Bake Oven, that my youngest granddaughter used to use. And now she's a teenager, so she's beyond that. And so I did, like so many people in our neighborhood, the park is just a little bit away, just up from the house. I took that beautiful Easy Bake Oven that was like new and put it on a table up there and put free on it. And I've done that with other things, and people do that with things all the time, and other people come along and they take them for their own children or whatever. And I came back later that day, and it was all over the lawn up there, all torn apart. I got angry. Somebody had broken a completely good toy out of mischievousness, out of just, you know, being evil, really. They'd broken it all up, and that made me angry. And so I was angry at that. Mark 3, 3 to 5. And he said to the man who had a withered hand, this is Jesus speaking, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful? He mean, he's talking about the Sadducees and Pharisees here. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to evil, to save life or kill? Because they said they, that Jesus shouldn't be even doing any healing on the Sabbath because that was work. But they kept silent. And when he looked around at them with anger... So he was angered at them because he could read them. I mean, he knew their hearts, but he could probably see on their face their own disdain and their own, you know, they were thinking that Jesus was wrong and they were better than him because he was working on the Sabbath. It says he was being grieved by the hardness of their heart. So he said to the man, stretch out your hand. The man stretched out his hand and was restored. It was restored as whole as the other. And then, of course, we can also remember the example of Jesus overturning the tables in the uh, temple because they had made his father's house into a place of merchandise, and that made him angry. So it's not always wrong to be angered at, by injustice or sin. It is wrong to be angered at a person and direct it toward them. The next portion of Scripture says here, let not the sun go down on your wrath. And then it says in verse 27, nor give no place to the devil. And this goes hand in hand. If you remain angry with someone, a lot of times, especially in the family I've known, and I've done it before too, gone to bed angry with somebody. Somebody, somebody in the family did something that made me angry, whether it was one of my grandchildren or even my wife or daughter, and I let that stay inside without addressing it before bedtime. And then like Hebrews said, if you keep doing something like that and never take care of that, anger, it can fester into a root of bitterness, which in another scripture it said it's like wickedness. Bitterness is like wickedness. And we need to keep short accounts with our family and even our neighbors or people in our metron, the grocer, the mailman, whoever you deal with, people in the church that might have wronged us. We must be open and keep short accounts, not just for them, but also for our health spiritually. So he said, don't be angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. 
being uh, wrath, he's talking about wrath as a provoked, frustrated, or irritated state. You know, when you get wrathful, it's kind of a stronger form of anger, I would say. And it says, don't give place to the devil. And you give place, it's like the word can mean like a room or a quarter or an opportunity. If you allow that to stay in your heart, you're giving him a place inside of you. You're giving him an advantage. Don't do that. Now let's look at another facet of this. Deuteronomy 24:15. Each day you shall give him his wages and not let the sun go down on it, for he is poor and has set his heart on it, lest he cry against you to the Lord and it be sin to you. And in this facet of the anger, here is a guy who's an owner or manager, and he has made the commitment to pay his workers every day for the work they did that day. And it looks like maybe there were some issues with that. And here in this commandment, he's being reminded, pay the worker every day, otherwise he'll be mad at you. And see, sometimes I think we provoke folks. We, you know, it says, in the Bible, don't provoke your children to wrath. And sometimes we do that by the way we handle correction and discipline with them, whether we do it out of frustration or anger ourselves, or maybe the punishment doesn't really, f- the what we're meeting out as punishment doesn't really fit the crime and we're highly unfair. And then we provoke them. And so this anger thing, you know, we got to watch anger in ourselves. We got to watch that we don't let it fester. We got to keep short accounts. But at the same time, the other side of it is we got to watch that we don't frustrate and anger others by the way we act, by acting in frustration, by acting in not being patient with people, those kind of things. And James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then Romans twelve nineteen. these are all cross-references about not being angry. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, don't take vengeance on people, you know, even though they may have wronged you and you're right, don't take vengeance on them. And I reminded of an old movie. I went by the room the other day and my daughter was watching from the 80s. And this lady, she's a sweet lady, middle-aged, a little overweight. People always made fun of her. And she was pulling in, had her blinker on, pulling into this parking space. And all of a sudden, these young gals whipped by her in their Volkswagen, beautiful Volkswagen with the top down, convertible, and they made fun of her, and they called her name or something like that. Well, what did she do? (laughs) She lost her temper, took her big car, she had a huge car, and rammed that Volkswagen until it was all smashed up. So she took vengeance, and they weren't very happy, to say the least. It was kind of something funny to laugh at, but still, you know, it just reminded me so well that it's sometimes so easy to take vengeance, and it may even seem like, you know, we're in the right, and we, we can give these people their comeuppance, but God would have us not do that. Jesus said the devil could find nothing in him, John fourteen thirty. And I'm asking you today, can the devil find something in you? Can he find something in me? Perhaps you're mad. Perhaps you have an unresolved anger issue with somebody that they did you wrong, like the song says, somebody done somebody wrong song. Well. Let's get that taken care of so that he has no place in you. What did Jesus say about forgiveness to Peter? How often should I forgive? Should I forgive seven times? No. You forgive 70 times seven, which really means you forgive infinite amount of time to people. You forgive them. 
you let that thing go. And it's, you know, people cut you off in traffic, people cut in line in front of you in the store. You know, it, it, that's not always easy for me, especially if I've had a bad day. You know, I get angry inside or, you know, hopefully I don't chase after the guy who cut me off in traffic. Years ago I did. But, um, you know, you just have to let that roll off and give it to the Lord. So the first thing we talked about was lying, and now we've talked about anger and not allowing that to fester in our hearts. So these are the issues there that we've looked into, verses 25 and 26, So and then 27. And so having said all that, I believe for today we'll just stop right here. We'll read this again. Therefore, put away, get it away from you, burn it up, these issues, lying, and speak the truth to one another and to your neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry. It's okay to be angry, but don't let it lead to sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Keep short accounts. We talked about that with people. And give no place to the devil. If you let that thing foster, fester inside of you, you will have given a place to the devil. Remember, you are an overcoming saint. You are an overcoming son and daughter of God. You are favored. You are of the Most High God. You're highly favored. He loves you greatly. And the best way for a remedy for all of this is to put on the new man that's getting younger in the spirit of your mind and heart every single day. Put him on and take those old clothes and just burn them. We are buried in baptism with Christ and we rise in newness of life. We're a new creation in him. So that's it for today for this episode. We're going to come back next week, and we're going to talk about there's five or six more that we need to talk about, and we're going to deal with rubber meets the road principles and things that God can help us with in our day-to-day living in the Metron we live in. Be blessed. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner podcast. Hey, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner. Make sure you click that subscribe button so you get notified every time we release a new episode. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family.